Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There is a place just for you. A place that embraces the promise of a warm spring night and a reminder to hurry home on a cool autumn evening. It is a place that exists above and below where the surreal and sublime dance cheek to cheek. This is a place just for you to sit back and enjoy. Beautiful tales for the disenchanted. Our tale tonight is entitled The Ultimate, Chapter 32. Robbie, says Anissa, pulling him out of whatever daydream he'd just been lost in. You've got visitors. Thank you, Annie, he replies without looking up from his computer. Tell them I'll be right out. He finishes reading the press release Christy has written declaring that Dead Fingers Tapping will be celebrating the anniversary of their classic album with a re-release packed with B-sides, outtakes, live tracks and demos. Robert feels tired just reading it. On the one hand, he feels like he gave in by agreeing to this. It's going to be a lot of work to go through all of these songs they're going to need. First, he's going to have to find them. Then sift through it all. Then they'll have to polish the songs that need some extra production for today's modern sound systems. Ugh, what a bore. On the other hand, at least he didn't immediately agree to going back on the road. He's not quite ready to say yes to endless rehearsals, let alone the weeks it will require him to remember how to actually play the songs. According to the group email, everyone within the band is excited. Christy sounds particularly motivated to get the best out of them as well. He takes solace in knowing that everyone appears to be happy. Robert writes a quick reply, signing off on Christie's work. He runs his fingers through the freshly cut hair. It feels strange the way it hangs down just below his ears. That lunchtime, he'd stepped out of the store to grab a bite to eat, walked past a barber and thought, fuck it, time to get this mess cut. In the end, he was grateful he didn't have it cut too short. He's not ready to do something that drastic just yet. Besides, he knows how cold his head would be without the extra layers on top. This is enough of a makeover to help him feel like a new person. Whoa, someone's had a haircut. 
Jemima puts her hand over her mouth as she sees Robert walk out of the office. She's wearing an emerald green jacket that sits just above her waistline. In front of her stands Nalani, who takes Robert by surprise with the t-shirt she's wearing. No haircut, it just fell out with stress. Is that vintage? Robert says, pointing to Nalani's dead fingers tapping t-shirt. It's mum's, but she said I could wear it, says Nalani. I want some more of your clips. You were cool. Yeah, Robert says with a chuckle, enjoying the use of the past tense. Maybe I was. Well, for a moment anyway. What brings you in? Nalani looks to her mum, who dutifully rummages around in a bag before pulling out a thick manila folder. She hands it to Nalani, who in turn passes it to Robert. He opens it up and sees the pages to a homemade comic book. Oh, that's right, says Robert. Today's the last day to get your comic in. Uh-huh, says Nalani. It's all done. Am I allowed to have a look, please? Nalani screws up her face and looks to her mum again. Jemima rolls her eyes and looks to Robert. Someone here is a perfectionist, she says. Oh, I wonder who that could be, says Robert. It's just... Uh, I think it could be better, says Nalani. Robert looks around the store for Damien but can't see him anywhere. Kyle, Kylie stands on a stepladder in a corner of the store, cleaning the dust off the statues that line the tops of the racks. The Bowen-produced Iron Man now shiny again. Where's Damien? Robert yells across the store. He'll be back in a sec, Kylie says. He forgot to eat, so he's just gone to get a snack. Robert looks back at Nalani. Hmm, that's annoying. Sounds like we have some time on our hands. Do you mind if I have a flick through your comic? Nalani nods. Great, let's go into my office. He walks the girls over and opens the office door with Nalani entering first. Jemima stops and puts a hand on his shoulder. I hear you had some stuff go down on Sunday night. Yeah, just some dumb shit. It's been a very weird time. On a brighter note, you might like to know we're re-releasing Spiritus Sanctus with a bunch of extras on it. Jemima puts her hands together and presses them against her mouth, incapable of hiding a glee. The band's getting back together. How exciting. Robert does his best to enjoy Jemima's positivity. I'm not quite at the reunion tour part of it, but yeah, we're at least reuniting to put this together. They walk into the office where Nalani has a comic out on Robert's desk. He walks over and looks at the front page. On the cover, a superhero dressed in a blue costume with a yellow cape flies above the clouds with the sun behind his head. Robert sits at his seat and flicks through the story while Nalani nervously fidgets beside him. Jemima puts a hand on Nalani's shoulder, a mother's way of calming her daughter down. Robert finishes his perusal and looks at Nalani. That's great, he says. Really? I loved it. I only had time to have a quick look, but I love it. Nalani wraps some of her hair around one finger and for a moment Robert wishes he hadn't visited the barber. Jemima looks at Robert and gives a sideways grin, her head tilting to the side of her smile. She's never entirely happy. Is that true? He says. What do you think the story is lacking? I don't know, Nalani says. I think there's more story to tell and I think I'm handing over a comic that doesn't have an ending. Hmm, says Robert. Tell you what, do you guys have to be anywhere? No, says Jemima. We're just heading home for dinner. Before Robert can respond, the door opens and Damien walks in, a half-eaten muesli bar in his hand, a few crumbs on his top lip. You were looking for me, he says. Is that seriously your lunch for the day, says Robert, pointing to the snack in Damien's hand. Yeah, I forgot to eat. Robert rubs his mild pot belly and wishes he could forget to eat sometimes too. Nalani brought a comic in, and it is only one issue in an ongoing story. It doesn't have a definitive ending for the comp, right? 
Hmm, let me think, Damien says while stroking his chin. I reckon it will be A-OK. Nalani claps her hands together and thanks Damien. I'm going to have a read of it before I put it in the pile, Robert says to Damien, who nods as he finishes off his snack. Nalani, see that stack of comics in the corner? Go and have a look at what takes your fancy and you can take that one home with you. Are you sure, Nalani says as she looks to her mother. Jemima shakes her head at Robert. We'll pay for it, she says. Don't be silly, this one is on me. Robert leaves the girls in the office and heads out onto the floor just as the staff begin to leave. He watches as they walk off together, wondering if they realise how much fun this time in life really is, regardless of the ups and downs and dramas that fill the days. He locks the front door behind them and is nonplussed to see that it is going to be another cold and rainy night. Jemima walks out of the office while Robert begins to turn off the lights. How's she going in there, he says. She's good. Thank you for being nice to her. So I have to ask, what brought on the haircut, she says. I have no idea, says Robert. It just happened. Time to be a new me, I guess. Do you think it will freak out your sister? I don't think Erica will care one way or the other, says Jemima. At first, Robert feels a pang of disappointment. Jemima reads the expression on his face and immediately continues talking. What I mean is, she likes you for who you are. The haircut doesn't matter, she says. Oh, right, yeah, of course, that's what you meant. What's going on with you two, anyway? Robert takes a deep breath, uncertain how to answer. What does she say is going on, he replies. Not much. I think she's trying to figure you out. Robert nods in agreement. Yeah, that sounds right. This has genuinely been the craziest week of the year. There's been a lot going on. I don't really know what's happening of late. I'm a bit of a pain in the ass, really. From my perspective, I think she's great. I think you're all great. If I'm honest with myself, it's been nice making new friends. Good answer, Jemima says while using one hand to flick her hair to one side. Robert feels another pang of sadness for his lost long locks. It was just this morning that he engaged in the very same hair flick. They hear a noise from behind and turn around to see Nalani walking out of the office with her comic in her hand. I've got one, she says. Let me have a look, Robert says, taking the graphic novel from her hand. It's a copy of Grant Morrison's final volume of Animal Man. Have you read the first two? Uh-huh, says Nalani. Jemima gives her a look so her daughter can course correct. I mean, yes, yes I have, thank you. Okay, kiddo, time to get home, says Jemima. We've got to eat and get your stuff ready for school tomorrow. Can you grab my bag and coat, please? Okie dokie, says Nalani, running back into the office. You sure you're doing fine, Jemima says, turning back to Robert and touching him lightly on the arm. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm tickety-boo, he replies. Thank you for asking. Do you want to come back to our place? We're going to just be eating heated up leftovers, but there's enough for you if you want. Thank you, but I'm going to stay here, look over some work stuff, but, you know, I'm around. Sure, says Jemima as Nalani returns with the bag and coats. Here, I'll let you out, says Robert. He walks over and unlocks the main door. Outside it might be cold and wet, but at least there isn't any wind. Robert ducks his head to see beyond the awning and looks up at the layer of clouds blanketing the sky. We're going to miss the eclipse, says Jemima, looking in the same direction. Oh, of course, that's happening tonight. I guess we'll have to get online tomorrow and look at other people's photos instead. Instagram will be the place to be, says Robert. Good night, Jemima. He kisses her lightly on the cheek and puts his hand out for Nalani to shake. Good work today, soldier. Nalani takes his hand and shakes it vigorously while giggling. I'm not a soldier, she replies. Robert raises his eyebrows at Jemima and she returns his look with a slight shake of her head. He watches as mother and daughter wrap their arms around each other and duck over to their car parked across the street. After locking the front door, Robert returns to the office. 
He goes over to the little bar fridge and has a look for a drink. He finds a bottle of beer by a distiller he's never heard of, cracks it open and takes a long swig. Immediately, Robert screws up his face. He's not really a fan of the taste, but it's cold enough that he can still knock it off. Sitting at his desk, Robert drinks and taps his fingers, wondering if he should call Greg. He thinks better of it. Greg will call him when he's ready, no point in possibly calling at what could be a bad moment. It feels like Greg and Jill have had nothing but bad news forever. Robert decides to read Nalani's comic properly. He wasn't lying when he flicked through the story and said it looked great, but now that he's taking his time, Robert is amazed at her natural fuel for rhythm and page layout. She just might have some proper talent. He thought about some professional artists he's read over the years who could learn a thing or two about pacing. Didn't she say the other night that she already has a few issues she's made? He wonders where this particular issue fits into her ongoing story. Robert stops drinking. He puts the bottle down and rereads the last caption he just read. That can't be right. He reads it again for a third time. Robert hadn't been paying proper attention at all. He reads the caption again for a fourth time. He picks up his phone and sends a text message to Erica. He's certain the answer must be straightforward. He waits for the reply and finishes the beer just as it arrives. You told me his name was Kirk. Something. But that was all, the message reads. Robert returns to the comic and reads it again, this time paying close attention. He feels a shiver skip across his shoulders. Ultimate man, he says, reading the caption that names the superhero in Nalani's story. He turns to the final page and reads the ending. Ultimate man, having won the day, bids his friends farewell, all gathered on a bridge in the city. He recognises the bridge. He looks through the comic again and works out the train station is there and the building's on one side of the road. Which bridge is it? It has to be Princess Bridge, right? In the final panel, Ultimate Man says goodbye and promises he'll return as he flies triumphantly towards the sun. The end. For now, it reads at the bottom of the final panel. Robert looks at the time. It is 8pm. Did he just lose time? There appears to be a lot of that going on of late. Robert stands up, uncertain what he should do next. Isn't tonight when Kirk was going to use the Eclipse to take them home? What the fuck are you doing, Robert says as he slips his arms into his thick black coat. He runs his tongue over his lips and notices that it doesn't hurt anymore. In fact, it doesn't appear to be split either. He shakes away the thorn and leaves via the back entrance, down the alley and right onto Queen Street. Robert makes his way towards the train station. He turns left onto Flinders Street and watches as a train rolls by, bereft of passengers indifferent to the world. By the time he arrives at Flinders Street Station, Robert notices he's wet from a rain so fine it is only imperceptible when it catches the man-made lights of the city. He slices through the few people gathered around the station and notices a busker near the steps, building out a song with a portable sound system that sounds better than some of the equipment he had to use back in the early days of the band. By the time he's walked past the taxi rank, it dawns on Robert that the busker was covering one of his biggest hits every time the rain appears. Finally, he arrives at Princess Bridge. It's a quiet Tuesday night, devoid of people and traffic. Robert looks around for Kirk, knowing that what he is doing is utter madness. To be inspired by a little girl's comic to run into the middle of the city in the rain looking for a man who needs help makes no sense. Suddenly Robert feels relieved about the possibility of the band reuniting just so it will stop him from spending too much time by himself. Robert looks around but he's alone. There's nobody there. He's now drenched, the rain now heavier and picking up in intensity. He's convinced he's going to catch pneumonia. What a way to go. 
Huntsman, says a voice from behind. Robert turns around, standing on the railing with one arm outstretched to balance himself on the lamppost, is Kirk Allen, his jacket tied by the arms around his neck. This feeble attempt at a cape breaks Robert's heart. Kirk, says Robert, maybe you should get down from there. Kirk shakes his head. I can't do that, old friend, he says. As soon as the lunar eclipse appears from behind the clouds, I'm riding that back to our universe. Athena, Calliope and the rest of our team are waiting for me. Robert moves a step forward, but watches as Kirk tenses and decides to change tact. Kirk, I know that isn't your real name, he says. Your real name is Harry Denver. You've had some bad stuff happen, and I think maybe... Robert stops for a moment, carefully considering his words. I think maybe you haven't coped, says Robert. I know that type of pain, I do. I think I can help you. But you need to please step off the railing. Harry Denver, Kirk replies, laughing heartedly. Who dreams up names like that? Well, he certainly wasn't expecting that response from Kirk. Robert needs to convince him that he's right. He needs another angle. Hey, do you want to hear something funny? Says Kirk as the rain suddenly stops. A cold wind appears out of nowhere and Robert looks beyond Kirk to the sky where the clouds are beginning to move. Uh, sure, says Robert. I'm sorry I left you alone with the frail. Robert isn't following you. He's only heard Kirk talk about the frail. He's never seen them before. When we were at the museum, he adds, realising Robert isn't following. Remember, I ran off and left you there? They weren't the frail, Robert says, finally understanding what he's talking about. They were just museum security guards. That's what they want you to think, Kirk replies. Can you remember any of their features? Of course not. That's what the frail are all about. They're a hive mind that rejects individuality. Robert wants to tell Kirk that he's incorrect, but when he tries to think of the faces of the security guards, he cannot recall any differentiating feature for any of the men. That's the point of a uniform, though. I told you my powers are muddled down here, so after we were attacked, I knew I had to escape or our mission would be in peril. Anyway, I returned to your home and waited for you. While I was waiting for you, I turned on your record player and guess what? I found the song. It was at your place all along. I've memorised every note so I can return home and save the day. As the wind rips about them, Robert watches the clouds shifting across the sky quicker than before. Robert can feel he's running out of time. Time to try a new gambit. Okay, okay, that's great news. But how am I going to come with you? Don't I have to return to fight the frail as well? No, you stay here. You still have stuff to achieve. But I thought you said this is a life trap. Robert says, raising his voice above the wind. It is, but these people don't know that. This might be a trap for us, but for these people, this is where they live. Down here in the simulation of life, they've still managed to create beauty, art and music. They might not be real in the strictest sense of the term, but that doesn't mean they're not alive. A car drives down the street behind Robert, but nobody stops or makes a motion to slow down. He looks back to Kirk, his cape flapping violently in the wind. What am I meant to do, he says. You can stay here and make a difference, Kirk replies. Time moves slowly here. You stay and live the life, and when it's time for you to return, I'll return and take you home. But don't you need me to fight up there, says Robert? At this point, he feels ridiculous, but he desperately wants Kirk to step off the railing, especially now that the wind is so strong that the lamp is beginning to sway. Up in the sky, the lunar eclipse is revealed, the moon a pitch black circle surrounded by a ring of light. Robert feels the panic kick in. Time to go, says Kirk. 
Wait, Robert yells, one last roll of the dice to be played. You say you're ultimate, man, but you've been wrong a number of times. How can you be the ultimate if you're wrong some of the time? Kirk looks towards the moon, then back at Robert. I'm not the ultimate because I'm always right, he replies with a grin and a wink. Robert is about to reply, but he's distracted as a tram glides behind, ringing the bell to nobody in particular. When he turns back, Kirk is gone. Kirk! Robert yells as he races to the edge of the bridge and looks down at the inky water below. He can't see anyone. He runs along the bridge and takes the first stairs he finds down to the bank, yelling out for Kirk, but there isn't any response. On the edge of the river, Robert continues to call Kirk's name, searching for any signs of life. A flashlight shines across Robert's face. You okay, mate? says the voice. Great, it's another security guard. I think I just saw someone jump off the bridge, says Robert, pointing in the direction from where Kirk must have leapt. For a second, there is no response. Robert tries to make out the features of the security guard, but the light of his torch is so bright, he can't make out any features, just the outline of the uniform. You must be mistaken, mate. Nobody jumped. Robert suddenly feels angry. How do you know? How do I know, he replies, his voice suddenly sounding firm with authority, because I've been down here looking up at the cliffs and I didn't see anyone jumping into the water from the direction you're pointing. Robert looks away from the guard and back to the river, listening to the lapping of the water. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Making its way through the night. Chapter 33. That night, Robert dreams. In his dream, he soars above broken buildings and cracked pavements, the scars of a world that has endured much. Above him, red skies are torn into myriad shapes by white lightning. Withered flesh machines descend, tearing the fabric of reality with their sharpened teeth and claws. He looks below and sees them. A ring of heroes, all different shapes and sizes, lock hands and stare at the sky. There's one hero who has a diamond for a head. Another is a woman whose hair is composed of blazing fire. Next to her is a gorilla dressed in a top hat and suit who holds hands with a tiny man who stays afloat with his gossamer wings. A giant woman, a blind man with a staff, a knight in shining armour. He sees all of this and then one last person joining them, taking their hands and leading the way. It's Kirk, the ultimate man, standing tall and proud, emboldened in his blue, red and yellow costume. He takes the hand of Athena, her red and gold armour dented and cracked with battle. They exchange a look and then together they sing. Their voices rise collectively as one and the invaders stop mid-descent suspended in the air. They try to push against the song but it is of no use. Robert watches as they begin to come apart, their bold outlines reduced to blurred scribbles, the colour fading until only a blue sky can be seen. 
In an instance, they're gone, expunged from reality, a cautionary tale for future villains to learn from. As the enemy disappears, the heroes cheer and begin to hug one another, the long battle finally over. Down below, a girl with red hair holds up a book and runs to Ultimate Man, handing him the heavy tome. She looks familiar, but before Robert can focus, he notices Kirk looking up at him, waving, smiling. Then Robert wakes, and for the first time in a long time, feels optimistic. He jumps out of bed and makes his way downstairs. Regardless of this new bounce in his step, he still needs a double shot of coffee if he's going to face the day. He dresses himself in tracksuit pants and a stinky t-shirt before he walks down in the kitchen. As he fills the coffee machine with water, he notices something running across the floor. His first reaction is that there's a rat in the house and he curses Alfred for not doing his only job. Robert provides the house, the food and the visits to the vet and Alfred stops rats and mice from entering the abode. While the coffee brews, he looks for where the rat could have escaped, but is at a loss as to where it might have gone. Maybe he imagined it. Then he notices more movement in the corner of his eye, this time heading toward the lounge room. Not the lounge room, that would be a disaster if the rat got in there with all the nooks and crannies to hide in. Then more movement, but this time Robert sees exactly what is going on. It's Alfred, looking friskier than ever, darting around the lounge room like he'd just slammed down six energy drinks. What the fuck has gotten into you, says Robert, as Alfred takes off again around the house. He follows his cat's feet skipping across the carpet, and when he hears Alfred returning to the kitchen, Robert hides to one side. Alfred runs in and stops, wondering where his owner has gone. Robert takes his chance and grabs his cat before he can take off again. He picks Alfred up and looks at his face. He appears to have less grey in his fur, his eyes wide and bright, full of mischief. If Robert didn't know better, he would think his cat looked years younger. Alfred purrs for a moment before squirming out of Robert's embrace and running out of the room. Later that morning, as Robert walks into the store, the first thing he sees is Anissa and Damien standing at the counter talking to four Sudanese strangers. They're all laughing and smiling with Anissa's arms interlocked with the older woman. Robert slips out of his coat, folds it over his arm and walks over to the group. Robbie, Anissa says as she sees him walking in. She unlocks her arms from the woman and runs over to Robert, hugging him across the shoulders. Robert is taken by surprise and barely manages to return the hug before being taken by the hand to meet these new people. Hey, this is Robbie, my sometimes boss and part-time rock star, Anissa says. Robbie, this is my father and mother, Rahim and Fahima, and these losers are my brothers Sammy and you, sir. It's a pleasure to meet you, says Rahim, shaking Robert's hand. The pleasure is all mine, he says as he greets the rest of the family, slightly confused. He was certain Anissa had just told him a few days ago that she was estranged from her family. What had happened to change the situation? Once they leave and the morning settles, Robert finds a moment where he and Anissa are alone so he can ask about her relationship with the family. They've been so positive and supporting, she says without hesitation. With everything I've gone through in the last few years, I'm sure it wasn't easy for them. But they stood by me and... I guess I'm just a really lucky girl, don't you think? Robert agrees and decides not to push it any further. Had he remembered their relationship incorrectly? He was relieved that he was wrong about the situation, decided to blame the pod or the booze or the pod and booze he'd consumed over the years. Yet something bothered him, something he couldn't put his finger on. In the end, he wondered why he was looking for a negative spin on a positive story and let the thoughts pass. He'd obviously misheard Anissa the first time they talked about her family. 
Around lunchtime, Robert recalls an interview with Tanya from The Daily Grind talking about the upcoming re-release of the album. She introduces herself, and before Robert can point out that they've met before, she launches into the interview and it is finished within minutes. It is possibly the easiest interview he's been a part of. Hey, Robbie, says Damien after The Daily Grind leave. Can I have a minute? You can have two, says Robert as they walk into the office. I just wanted to remind you that I'm away this weekend, Damien says, closing the door behind him. Sure, okay, Robert says. He can't remember if he knew this information or not. Where are you going? Ah, I'm catching up with mum and dad on Saturday for a big lunch with extended family. And then on Sunday, I'm taking them to the movies. We're going to see Interstellar at IMAX. It's going to blow dad's mind. Robert looks at Damien for a moment, completely lost. Are you okay, Robbie? Says Damien. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, but... Your parents are good? Damien nods enthusiastically. They're great. They've been travelling, celebrating their anniversary. That's what the lunch on Saturday is for. Right, says Robert. Does that mean Kylie isn't here on Saturday either? Why is that? Wouldn't she be going with you to the lunch? Why would she go with me to the lunch? Robert shakes his head with confusion. As your girlfriend, he says, with an emphasis on the upward inflection... Robbie, we've been broken up for weeks. You have? Yeah, don't you remember? We're still friends, though, so that's a win, right? Sure, yeah, of course. I'm an idiot. Old brain cells. Ignore me. Robert spends the rest of the afternoon waiting to hear if the comic shipment has landed at the airport. Wednesdays are the craziest of days, with the phone constantly ringing and customers swinging by to find out if there will be new releases to purchase. At one point, Robert finds himself watching Kylie buzzing around the store. Earlier, he'd caught a glimpse of her holding hands with Anissa, but turned away, feeling like he was prying on a moment that wasn't for him. After Anissa walked away, he returned his gaze to watch Kylie continue running around the floor, creating space for the new comic arrivals. Finally, Kylie catches Robert looking at her. What? She says. What, what? You keep looking at me, Kylie says. Do I have gum on my jeans or something? Uh, um, no. I was actually miles away, says Robert, desperately attempting to cover up his thoughts. There's something going on, something he can't put his finger on. Is everything good with you? Everything is really good. It's great, in fact. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, sure. I guess I am. Kylie looks at Robert and squints her eyes. Are you stoned or just being weird? I'm definitely not stoned. Just old man weird then. Cool. Kylie returns to her work and Robert walks into the office. He needs some quiet to gather his bearings. By the time the afternoon rolls around, Robert receives the call from the airport that the shipment has arrived, so Damien sets out in the company van to pick up the shipment. Soon the store will be flooded with people and product, but for now there's a sense of calm in the store. Robert sits alone in the office and checks the online news feeds for any reports of a body washed up out of the Yarra River, but doesn't find anything that fits that description. Robert is relieved but wonders about what could have happened to Kirk. While he sits there thinking through the possibilities of what could have happened, Greg arrives through the back door. Hey, mate, says Robert. Greg doesn't reply, and when he finally looks up, his eyes are red and moist. Oh, fuck, says Robert, jumping out of his seat. What's happened? Are you okay? Like Jill? Greg holds up his hand, and Robert stops where he is, giving his friend some space. He watches as Greg smooths out his crease checkered shirt and composes himself. Robert, he says, his voice cracking ever so slightly, it's all good news. It takes a second for what Greg just said to make sense. Uh, good news, says Robert. Jill, well, Jill is in remission. In fact, they can't find any trace of the cancer. 
Robert can feel his knees shake. Are you fucking serious? He says. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. It could come back. We'll have to be careful, but for now, it's gone. Robert puts his hand to his head and attempts to take in what is happening. This was the news that he wanted to hear, but hadn't dared to hope for. He feels his eyes begin to involuntarily twitch and blinks back the hint of tears. Greg walks over and hugs Robert, giving him a big kiss on the cheek. They hold each other, these two old friends, lost in the moment. It doesn't get any better than this, says Greg. At least now, if we have to move, I'll have a clear head to be able to tackle this. Greg lets go and walks out of the office and Robert close behind. He looks outside and notices for the first time that the sun is out. When Robert returns home that night, he finds Alfred barely awake on the lounge. He stretches and flexes his paws as Robert gives him a scratch, scouring his fur, looking for the grey he'd grown used to. Confused, he calls Erica and talks her through the day. You've had a full-on week, she says. Maybe you just remembered things incorrectly. Maybe, says Robert as he watches Alfred playing with a toy fish. He holds it with his front paws while his back legs kick against the fish before jumping into the air and running up the stairs. You should see my cat at the moment. He's suddenly got a new lease on life. Cute. So what do you think happened with the homeless dude, Erica says. I don't know. He's just gone. Like he never existed. I tried to talk to Christy about it, but she didn't seem interested, especially with all the band stuff going on. Funnily enough, I had a dream about Kirk last night, but I can't quite remember it now. Like all good dreams. Yeah, right. Anyway, all I remember from the dream is that I was flying in the air above these superheroes. Then, when I looked down, I saw Kirk. He casually looked up at me, waved, and smiled. What happened next? I don't know. I woke up. For Robert, the next few days play out at a strange pace. He decides he won't tour with the band, but he will gladly work on the re-release with his share of any sales going to the rest of the band. He already has all the money. Why would he want more? To his surprise, the band accepts this offer without any snarky remarks or blowback. Robert figures something might come down the track, but for now, this was a good, clean result. By the end of the week, Greg has brought in some expensive wine to celebrate the news that the store isn't being sold and they won't have to move. Everyone raises their glasses, the mood the best it has been in a long time, yet Robert still feels removed from it all. Jill catches his look and walks over to him, her arm clutching at his bicep. She has colour in her cheeks and a sparkle in her eyes. She kisses Robert on the cheek. Are you okay? Yeah, I am. It's just... He searches desperately for the right words to express his thoughts. It's just been such a long winter and last week felt like I was going crazy and now this... All this... I'm just not used to everything going right. Robert looks at Jill and smiles, returning her kiss on the top of her head. You know I love you and Greg, he says. Uh Uh-huh, we know, Jill replies. We love you too. Later, Robert meets up with Wendy at her place and lays it on the line. I'm not interested in getting back together with the band, he says, but I'd like to write some new songs and wondered if you would like to jam with me with the idea that we'll work towards some gigs together. Would you be interested in hanging out with this idiot? Wendy knocks back her beer and holds out her hand to shake it. I'd say it's about fucking time, Robbie, says Wendy. About fucking time. But enough of this ballad shit. If we're going to write together, we have to go hard. Robert agrees, finishes his drink and makes his way home. Back on his lounge, he turns on his record player and listens to their album. He wonders which song Kirk thought was the important song. Was Kirk his name? Robert was having trouble remembering now. It feels like it happened so long ago. He sits and listens to each song, the youth and vibrancy still evident. 
Robert listens closely and rediscovers the magic of the album, and when Every Time the Rain Appears begins to play, quite unexpectedly, Robert bursts into tears. He feels a deep sadness well up and leave his body, shaking and crying uncontrollably, listening to the younger version of him sing a song that has travelled forward in time with a new resonance, a new meaning. This must have been the song that the homeless man heard. Robert knows that much is true. By the time he composes himself, he realises Alfred is sitting alongside him, purring, reminding him that he isn't alone. Saturday night arrives and Robert finds himself entertaining Erica, Jemima and Nalani. He invited his new friends over to his home to celebrate Nalani's winning comic entry. They sit around his round kitchen table laughing. Damien's the best, she says, her voice high and squeaky. Jemima gives her daughter a look, that same look all mothers give their children when they're acting a little too excited. Damien is the best, says Robert, as he pours the girl's new glasses of wine. Nalani asks if she can be excused from the table and wanders into the lounge room. She's looking for Alfred, says Erica. Good luck with that. He's been tearing up the house lately. He might even have more energy than her, says Robert. So anyway, look, I have something a bit awkward to share, but so uh, you see, um, spit it out, says Jemima. Okay, I have a little surprise to share. With you. Ooh, a surprise, says Jemima. What is it? says Erica. Head over to the lounge room. I'll be back in a moment. Robert disappears and the girls exchange a look. What could the surprise be? They pick up their drinks and head to the lounge room where Nalani sits with Alfred, who rolls and stretches over the carpet. After a while, they realise Robert has been gone for a while. Have you gotten lost? yells Erica from the lounge room. Robert smiles to himself but doesn't answer. He looks at himself in the mirror, takes a deep breath, and returns to the lounge room. Don't freak out, he says, holding up his guitar in one hand and some sheets of paper in the other. Robert sits down next to the lounge and spreads the paper out, words sprinkled across the surface. But I've written a new song. Erica spontaneously claps, her smile stretching across her face. A new song, she says. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, says Robert. It's brand new. I'm not sure if it's any good, and I don't really know it too well. But I thought maybe you'd like to have a listen. He looks at his cat who eyes the paper with a sneaky nonchalance. Nalani, says Robert, can you hold on to Alfred, please? He's going to try to sit on the paper and I don't know this well enough to ad-lib around his hairy bum. Nalani giggles and repeats the words hairy bum before dragging Alfred in her direction. He looks at the women, feels his throat constrict and clears it comically for effect. Then he plays his new song, at first uncertainly, but slowly gaining confidence as he progresses through the chords. Some of the words don't quite fit in place and at one point he loses his way, but he recovers in time to finish on a high. Robert takes a moment to gather himself and then looks up at the girls. Nobody says anything. He waits for someone to talk and by the time the sisters share a look, he can no longer cope with the tension in the room. Ah, shit. Did you hate it? He says. He looks at Jemima who casually wipes a tear from the corner of her eye and then looks to Erica who continues to beam a smile in his direction. In the end... It's up to Nalani to sum up what they're all thinking. It's perfect, Robbie, she says. It's just perfect. Epilogue. Robert wakes early Sunday and looks out the window at the immaculate blue sky. He's full of energy after another good night's sleep. If he dreamed, he doesn't remember. It is the best he's felt in a long time. He wanders downstairs and feeds Alfred. His cat, who appears to have discovered the fountain of youth, pushes up against his bare leg, purring with delight. Robert makes himself a coffee and some toast for breakfast and wanders about the house, wondering what he'll do today. 
There's suddenly so much to achieve, but he enjoyed the writing process yesterday and thinks maybe he should see if he's on a possible roll. He walks over to the fridge to put the milk away and realises how gross it is inside, with food past the use-by date and stains from spilt drinks and food all over the shelves. Robert wrinkles his nose up and scolds himself for being such a typical guy. Before any writing of songs, his first job of the day will be to clean this mess up. Halfway through the cleaning process, Robert hears the doorbell ring and for a moment isn't quite certain what to do. He's not used to the doorbell ringing without him knowing who might be coming over. He wonders if it could be Mormons. It's a Sunday morning. Do Mormons even go door knocking anymore? Robert had no idea. He stands up and wraps his dressing gown tightly around him. Whoever it was at the door can enjoy him in his morning attire, especially if they're going to come around and take him by surprise like this. When the doorbell rings for a second time, Robert calls out, All right, all right, hold your horses. He yells it as he walks up to the door. He swings it open to reveal a girl with raven-coloured hair, dressed in a red and yellow t-shirt and green jeans. He stares at her, trying to reason what was happening. Are you going to invite me in? says Melody. Robert looks down and watches Alfred rubbing himself against Melody's legs, his usual figure eight circling her in the sign of infinity. Robert feels his chest stretch as he smiles. He's lost for words. He looks at his dear friend, convinced something bad had happened to her, but maybe that was just a terrible dream, a forgotten dream from a previous night. Robert gazes at Melody, framed perfectly by the blue sky, with fluffy white clouds floating above her head, wordless and white. Thank you for joining us. You're always welcome here. Remember to avoid danger with strangers and never accept advice from mice. We hope to see you again here soon. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.